listening to episode 51 of Desi Geek Girls. I'm Preeti Chibber. And I'm Swatna Krishna, and we're recording on Sunday, November 29th, 2020. Okay, we're going to start off with some not-so-great news, just to kind of get it out of the way, because it's a thing that happened this week, and it really sucks. Um, as you know, both Swapna and I wrote for Sci-Fi Fangirls, which was uh, a part of Sci-Fi Wire, um, and I was working in an editorial capacity there, and this past week, NBC Universal decided to shut down the kind of geek culture aspect of that site, so Sci-Fi Fangirls is no more, and it's kind of a bummer. Um but you can still follow along. Swapna and I are both still writing. And, yeah, and I'm doing my discovery to... recaps via my sub stack, which is not, um, there's no paid tier. I don't anticipate there ever being a paid tier because it's just like a personal newsletter. Um, but I'm doing the recap. I'm putting the recaps there for now. So if you like, feel free to just subscribe. Preethi's also has a sub stack. We will put the links to both in the show notes. Um, but um, it sucks. It's, it's, it, it, it's, I can't say it's a huge surprise, no. Um, given it makes sense for NBC to use something like that as a marketing slash branded co- content arm. So I can't say it's a huge surprise, but it's a real bummer because it was a good space for marginalized people to, um, you know, celebrate the things they love. It was really nice to have a place where I could just write about any, like we, we, yeah. like we had a lot of editorial freedom to write about whatever we wanted, um, and that was really nice. It didn't have to be like tied to a news peg or, you know, we could, I could just be like, oh, I'm going to write about Star Trek Voyager this week. And it was really nice. Um, um, so we're all very bummed about it. Yeah, it's, it's, it is what it is, but, but you know what? We have this space and, mm-hmm. and there are other spaces. And so. that's what Preeti and I were laughing before this because we spent like 20 minutes just like chatting about video games before we started recording and I was like we probably should should do this on the call to let you know like our regular interactions are basically uh exactly what you hear on this podcast so um yeah we'll, we'll continue that probably in the things we love section but we are this is kind of a special mini episode we're skipping over news for the most part and just going straight into the discussion of this most recent episode of the Mandalorian um, Preeti helpfully wrote down the chapter number. So it's chapter 13, The Jedi, season two, episode five. Um, so this is a spoiler alert. We're not gonna, we're not gonna have non-spoiler discussions. So spoiler alert for that episode. And I think also spoiler alert for the season finale of Rebels, because I don't think we can talk about this character and hypothesize without diving into the last time we saw the character that is the focus of this episode, which is which was the season finale of Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, so if you are not caught up, if you are not, you know, there yet, just just hit stop, go catch up, go do what you need mm-hmm. to do, and then come back and, yes. and hang out with us while we talk. Uh, before we do get started, though, we do want to mention that a, a like, like, I think that we will continually link to this because it's such a wonderful cause. Um, but a group of Star Wars fans have created a fundraiser for the Trans Law Center. And if you're able, we recommend that you donate. Uh, it, the GoFundMe is linked in the show notes. Please go check it out. If you can donate, if you can't donate, feel free to share it. It's it's just really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I guess, again, hit stop. Yes. You are not cut up. On this episode. Um, because it's not Ahsoka Tano! Oh my god. God, oh my God! Um, and I do appreciate they didn't make us wait to see her. No, we said. I think. I think 
think uh, we said last week that we were like, it's probably going to happen in like the season finale. Yeah. And, and they, they didn't make us later. They, and they didn't make us wait in the episode either. One second. Like literally within the first two minutes you see her. And I have to say, I feel like it's a daunting prospect taking an animated character mm-hmm. and bringing them into live action and the notion of like, Clone Wars and Rebels were both incredibly stylized mm-hmm. animation projects. And taking such an iconic character like Ahsoka Tano and bringing her into the real world is, is like, will it be hokey? Will it be like, will it feel like off kilter or whatever? But I think they did an incredible job. I think they did a very good job making her, they did change her appearance somewhat. A little bit. Um, like her... So the Leku, the 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 Montreals, they're Montreals, right? I think that's right. Uh, Leku is the Twi'lek word. Um, mm-hmm. They're sh- much shorter, and I think that's to make her be. I don't know that the actress could have done the stunt work, right? If the Leku had been that long, so I think that was just like a practical consideration. Or the sorry, the Montreals had been that long, so I think that was just a practical consideration. Uh, she did look different, but um, the fighting style was really. I was very nervous about it because, mm-hmm. again, when if you look at like um, that, the intensity of the fight that Ahsoka had with Maul in the uh, last season of Clone Wars, the one that released earlier this year, which I cannot believe that came out this year. That came out whatever. this year. Um, if you look at that fight and how iconic and incredible that fight was, I feel like, again, this notion of bringing what is something that you feel like could probably only be done in animation with like how elastic she is as a fighter mm-hmm. and how like just able to move as fast as she does the things they can do there, but they managed to bring it all onto screen. Yes. I felt like. And Ahsoka has a very in- unique fighting style that we yeah. haven't seen. She has two lightsabers. One is shorter than the other. And she, I'm like, I'm like doing emotions right now, but she like holds them almost backwards like it's very weird and cool it looks so cool but they really brought that into the fight choreography which I really appreciated like even when you couldn't really see her face you could tell it was her based on just the kind of silhouette and Mm -hmm. the way she she was holding her lightsabers super cool yeah so the introduction of this episode the very first like five minutes we get to see Ahsoka in action Mm -hmm. and just a quick set up as to the last time we saw her chrono- like chronologically not not appearance wise because they're out of order but chronologically the last time we saw her was at the end of Star Wars Rebels which would have been just after Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. um, when she approaches Sabine Wren to go find Ezra who yes. has been kind of presumably for the entirety of the original trilogy like off in space with Thrawn somewhere <laughs> yeah so at the end of Rebels um there is the last stand for Lethal, and it's, you know, our, like, merry band of rebels against uh, Thrawn. And Ezra, I, we, I, my husband and I, after we watched this episode, went and watched the last 15 minutes of the okay. Rebels finale. Because, like, I was like, I need to know. I, I just need to know. So he calls in these space whales, basically. Yep. And the space whales, like, take the ship that Ezra and Thrawn are on and go to hyperspace. And he basically says to Sabine, um, I'm counting on you. And she's like, I don't know what he's counting on me for. And then it kind of is like montage through the original trilogy timeline. And then Ahsoka comes 
for Sabine and presumably the thing that Ezra was, Sabine realizes he was counting on her to come find him. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to cry. God. I have, I have like goosebumps. I know. Oh, I love this storytelling so much. Um, I was talking to a friend who um, watched this episode. I mean, this is, we can get a little bit into this because this, I think, is going to be one of the most divisive episodes for I Star think Wars so. I think so. I think this show is going to start getting a lot more divisive from here on out. Yeah, because it, it, it's, you know, Dave Filoni wrote and directed this episode, and, and Ahsoka Tano is his his baby, right? And mm-hmm. so, you know, this friend who texted me was like, oh, I'm so excited because they watched Clone Wars, but they hadn't seen Rebels, so they didn't know... They didn't know the impact of what was being said on screen. And they didn't they didn't understand the kind of gravity of some of those sequences. And who's to say if it's gonna matter for this the plot show, yeah. Of the Mandalorian. And that's but the thing I, I want to get into. I've definitely seen some grumblings from people who had anticipated that the Mandalorian would kind of maintain its uh independence. It, yeah, the 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 I'm, I'm like not losing the word, but like the isolation of its storyline, the like segregation of its storyline and our frustration. And I don't think they're wrong. Like this is not a right wrong thing. This is not, Agreed. I don't think, and I think there's a lot of nuance here we'll talk about. And I think what I like selfishly isn't necessarily the best thing generally also, which is complicated. Um, but uh, yeah, I, overall, this episode looks like it was pretty well received. I think if you're on the internet and you're a Star Wars fan, even if you haven't seen Clone Wars or Rebels, Ahsoka is such a popular character that you yeah. that you are aware of her. But that being said, there are a lot of people watching the show who never watched Clone Wars or Rebels, who their only exposure is the movies, really, to the Star Wars universe. I don't think, like, the same way I think introducing Bo-Katan in the last episode was not... No a big deal like they explained her presence they gave you enough context i think to a certain extent like you can just see ahsoka as the standalone character appearing in this one episode she you know but there are a lot of moments you're not going to pick up on for example where her talking about how she did not want to train can we talk about grogu okay all right i guess <laughs> real quick let's jump to grogu real quick yeah, I guess we're we're gonna go about this in a very roundabout way. As you know, like we don't tend to structure our our conversations. And nope. So... <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll get to all the points in due time. But yes, we must we must we must we must discuss Grogu, Baby Yoda, aka Grogu. That's a name. That's it is a name. It's a name it for sure. <laughs> Preeti made memes that when Ahsoka said Grogu I watched this at like I don't know 8.30 in the morning Friday morning or something and she said Grogu and I was like sitting in my pajamas in bed and I paused it and I went Grogu that's exactly what I we watched it like because we watched it Friday evening and like I was tired and it had been a really long day and like I was just like what the Grogu? Like, okay, like. It was just like, what? I'm like, fine. Uh... But the reason she did not want to train Grogu was because uh, she had seen what that kind of attachment and anger could do. Um, And it was interesting when she said 
did we know, I don't know, we probably knew this, this is just news to me, that an untrained child in the Force, their Force powers will fade away if they're not trained? Is that a thing we knew? No, I I don't know that it has been so so explicitly said, but I think when you look at the way um, Force users... When we get like some interiority to force users and and their relationship to the force, we can kind of gleam it. I don't. It must. It might have been. It might be implied. I think it's been implied previously, especially with the like you know the the Jedi's constant refusal to train kids. Right. Like I think it's been implied, but I don't think that had been explicit. Yeah, I think we got a few things in this episode that were that were previously we did not like. Beskar being explicitly said to deflect lightsabers. Yes, I, was like, I don't think I knew that. Cool? Yeah, that was a that was just very very cool. Right, that was really exciting, and there were there have been like implications that the Mandalorians have had to um, develop things specifically to fight the Jedi, but mm-hmm. I don't know that I, I we've never seen it so explicit before. Right. Um, but, uh, back to Grogu, though. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I, I think this is another point that has created some division between with from the Watchers uh, because they I've seen some grumblings that people felt it was out of character for for Ahsoka to say that she wouldn't train Grogu, which I I disagree with. I think it's very much in character for someone who experienced. We watched how she experienced the last episode of Clone Wars. And... Ahsoka has always avoided attachment after she... Anakin. Like, like she's always been on, she's like, that's, that's a thing, that's a recurring theme with her character. She goes solo, and I'm assuming that's because, oh, that's a thing, that's the thing I forgot to say. Um, if you did not know that she was Anakin's apprentice, the line about seeing what it would have done, what it's, having that experience would, that would be lost on you. Like, the reason that that has so much gravity is you know she watched Anakin's fall and she, you, you see the moment on screen where she realizes Darth Vader, her master, did not die. And Darth Vader is, I know. I can't take it. I feel like Ahsoka is one of those characters that has been suffering quietly through, like, a very intensive yeah. PTSD and how she relates to other people and how she relates to um, the the cause as a whole. You know, she clearly has connections with people and recognizes those connections. But when she said that line of like, I've seen what fear and attachment can do to a fully trained Jedi Knight, Mm -hmm. that to me was just loaded with her own kind of anxiety, right? Versus like that. Also, she kept, she, she has moved on from being like, I am no Jedi that I am not a part of the Jedi to fully accepting it when people call her a Jedi, which yeah. I thought was very interesting. I think that is interesting. I'm not sure if that's just she realizes there are so few left now that she is willing, or she just she she fights for what the Jedi were supposed to represent. Because mm-hmm. she still uses white lightsabers. Her mm-hmm. lightsabers are, lightsabers are still white, which um um. But yeah, I don't think she was. I was, I'll say I was disappointed to hear her make that, because I would have loved to see her in that role of, that being said, I don't think it was out of character. Yeah, I think it was, if you look at how, like, what her relationship to the Jedi was after she left the Order, and in the last season of Clone Wars, in which she very, very reluctantly kind of teams back up with them, and she has to deal with a lot of, um 
implications of what the Jedi have become to the common people. Like, I can absolutely see how that character became the character in The Mandalorian. And let's uh, also talk about what the thing that we don't, the piece of this that we don't know, which is what happened to her between the yes. finale. We don't know what, where she was the entire original trilogy. And we don't know, so we don't know the effect of Kanan's sacrifice on her of Ezra's disappearance and the hunt. So we, presumably we for Ezra. Yeah, we don't know any of that. The the Kanan stuff we only have we have a the briefest implication of in Rebels, um because she stops Ezra trying to save Kanan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from, in the remember? Yeah, uh, in the she's she kind of is like this has to happen. Yeah. And so we have like the briefest briefest moment, but we don't again have any of her perspective on it. We yeah. have Ahsoka being Ahsoka, which is flawed, but but cool, calm, and kind of understanding that what needs to be done needs to be done. Um, I am dying. This is this is the thing. Dave Filoni has created this world. Like, The Mandalorian could not exist without the world that Dave Filoni created in Clone Wars and in Rebels. Mm-hmm. And Rebels does not have closure. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It does not. It, it's no, it does wonderful not. wonderful storytelling, but... For three or two, I guess, two of the core cast, we don't have closure. We don't know where their stories went. We don't know what happened. Like, Ezra literally is, it's like off on a cliffhanger. Like, and so, of course, like, given the opportunity, this is how, this Filoni doing what Filoni does best, like, giving you teeny tiny moments of plot and furthering this like character story because Ahsoka's story has always been told on the sidelines. Mm -hmm. And so of course she's going to show up in the Mandalorian. And the question is now, so, okay. So what we can deduce is that Ahsoka's hunting Thrawn. The moment. Yeah. Came out. I was just like, what the fuck? It was like a cartoon gasp. I know. I was like, because, like, I was, like, she's hunting some Sith lord. Because clearly, like, he, this person, to keep up with Ahsoka, has to be a Force user. Nope. And then, what are the implications of that? She she says to um, Morgan Elspeth, who is the, uh, not the chancellor, whatever, the, the whatever, the leading, the, the village. The dictator, the whatever, whatever yeah. The title is. Um, in a very imperial manner, you know, plundering, stripping a planet of its resources, etc. But she's an active participant. This this character of Elspeth is an active participant, meaning how how recent is her relationship to Thrawn? Like mm-hmm. how wh- what is Thrawn doing? Yeah, where is he? And so the presumably okay. So at the end of Rebels, Sabine and Ahsoka go to find Ezra. Ezra and Thrawn are presumably in the same place because they got taken the same place. The question is, do they find Thrawn both of them together? Does Thrawn escape? Are they did they never find Ezra and Thrawn and him split up? So they're trying to find, still trying to find Ezra and Thrawn is the best. You know, like what? Yeah, what's going on here? Um, you one of your um. One of your theories was that 
maybe Ezra will sense. Because at the end of the episode, Ahsoka says, take Grogu. <laughs> I'm never going to be able to say that name without laughing. Say the name. Take Grogu to this Jedi temple and then re- have him reach out through the Force and maybe a Jedi will hear him and come. Um, and your theory um, that you texted me the other night was maybe that's Ezra. Uh, it, to me, it's... it's- I, I don't think it will be this season. No. Um, but I do think there's potential there because if, and this is a lot of ifs, like this is making a lot of like suppositions about the plot, but if Ahsoka is only looking for Thrawn and if there was a separation, Ezra is outside of Luke, who is not a possibility in my opinion for this. No, uh, no, no, no. The kind of main force user that we are aware of because even jedi fallen order you have cal who is not old enough to be in that position i think Mm -hmm. but ezra would be around the same age as luke maybe a little older i always Mm -hmm. mix up like where i know i think he's a little bit older maybe um and has a a deep understanding and connection to the force that we know. Mm -hmm. So like, I think that could be very, very cool in a way to like, finally tell us what freaking happened to Ezra Bridger. So my question is now does Ahsoka, because Thrawn could also be very instrumental in what's going on with the empire right now. Yes. very much. Like he could be very active within like the high ranks of the empire or like what's the remnants of the empire. We know he was very active in the outer rim. Um, so he could very well. Okay. So my question is, is Ahsoka's quest tied to what's going on in the Mandalorian or are we seeing sprinklings of something that's going to spin off a different show, a different, you know, like I just, I'm wondering is Ahsoka's, is Ahsoka's appearance in this show kind of a standalone thing where we'll see her for maybe one or two episodes? And obviously we don't know. This is our supposition. Or is her quest going to become tied with uh, Mando's? And, like, are they kind of after the same, you know, larger... Do you know what I... Do you get one of my yeah, questions? Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. I think what makes it difficult is basically because of the nature of when this show takes place and and how these sort of uh, canon adjacent, not canon adjacent, mainline movie adjacent uh, shows and things and books and things are taking place. Like Mando is not a main character in the story as a whole, right? Mm -hmm. Like Mando is sort of like a, like the Mandalorian is like a side quest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so anything he does can and, and likely will impact what is happening in the mainline story, but he, in in my opinion, right now, from what we've seen, is disconnected. Yeah. As from a personal standpoint, from the character's personal standpoint, so his like his goal is entirely to get this kid to where this kid is supposed to be, and any interaction he has with the Empire or what. That's will... not his goal. He doesn't care. I mean, I get maybe he cares, but you know what I mean. Right. But it's not. It, it's secondary to what his main goal is, mm-hmm. right? Like he, anytime he deals with it, deals with the remnants of the empire, which is barreling towards becoming the first order is very much in relation to the kid. It's to, to Grogu and Ahsoka. It's again, we don't know what her, where she stands right now, because she kind of 
for a few years after Order 66 just disconnected entirely and was just kind of on the run and in hiding, mm -hmm. right? We don't know after, like, after um, Return of the Jedi, what we know is that she wanted to find Ezra. Mm -hmm. That's, That's all we know, know. Right? Yeah. We don't know what her relationship is to the Empire, the First Order, but I think everything is going to tie into finding out how we got to where the world or the galaxy stands before the, uh, the Force the, Awakens. Yeah. And to your point about um, the Mandalorian being kind of a side quest, if this were Rebels, um, they would, and this was a Rebel storyline, they would, rec they would uh, work with the Mandalorian, the, they would work with Mando to further their own cause and then exactly. end up recruiting him to work for the Rebellion. Like, that's, right. that's how Rebels worked. This is not that kind of show. So, um... It's almost the opposite, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's Mando resisting those connections at every step of the way. Like, he'll engage, but only to an extent. Yeah. And then he will completely be like, no, I have my goal, I have my journey, and that's that. And so, um, it's what Filoni is so good at, just pulling in bits and pieces to just build a bigger story. And it, it's, it, does, it is worth also mentioning that I think a big part of Mando's story is going to be what's going on at Mandal with Man the planet Mandalore right now. And it's hard to deny that Ahsoka is very much tied up in the Mandalore story. Like, very significant part of her story takes place on Man like with events of Mandalore. So she there is potential for her to come back, for her to play a larger role in the story. Mm -hmm. I guess my question is, and of course we don't have an answer, is is she going to play a larger role in this story or are we going to see her story unfold in some other way? And I don't I, know. I hope the latter, honestly. I've been, yeah. I think you and I both have been gunning for years that Ahsoka Tano as a character deserves her own focused series, mm -hmm. her own focused title, her own focused whatever. Like she is such a strong character and there's so little that we actually get to know of her mm -hmm. and it's so unfair yeah like in terms of character she is what she's one of the most interesting aspects of star wars because of the role she played in every single step of the way like yeah. she has been involved she's one of the few characters who can say she's been involved from the very 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 beginning to the very 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 end and mm -hmm. so i want more of that and i don't know I think it not. I don't want to say a disservice, but I think it would limit the amount of story we could get from her if all we see is within the context. I of agree. The like, like you and I have railed against again and again about how the fact that this incredible character has always been her story has always been told through someone else's story. Yes, and with the exception of E.K. Johnston's excellent novel Ahsoka, so good, which I which highly I recommend. It's on sale right now, I think. So yeah. I highly recommend it if you haven't uh, read it. And um, but I, I would love to see. This. Plus, I do think the point, and we should probably we should talk about this. Weaving her story into this story is it does. I there are there. I've seen a lot of arguments that like anyone watching the Mandalorian is involved in the Star Wars universe, which no Disney. Plus makes versus like, you know, Rebels and um, all three besides the final those final seasons of the Clone Wars um, aired on Disney XD, like like all three animated shows um, aired on Disney XD. And 
um, like they're not, Mandalorian is A, much more accessible, and B, if you're not involved in kind of nerd culture, and I was this way before I got really into the Star Wars cartoons, like it's kind of like cartoons are for kids. Yes. There is a mentality that animated shows are for kids, and so a lot of even star, like Star Wars fans, like casual fans, are not necessarily going to engage with animated series. So I know a lot of people. I have friends who like texted me who know I'm like a big nerd. Like, if I've only seen the movies, can I watch? Like, if I've only seen the movies. My like, you know, you know, my girlfriend, my boyfriend, my you know, husband, my wife, whatever wants to watch the Mandalorian. Will I like it? And I'm like, yeah, I think you will. So I don't really, I I do really, really sympathize with the people who are just like, let's let something just not necessarily stand alone. You're part of a larger universe. And acknowledging that is fine. And, you know, like tying in characters and bringing in characters for an episode, to, like episode to episode storyline is fine. But weaving Grogu and Mando's story into making it a part of, I guess my issue is, Right now it is, as you've said, it is very much Mando and Grogu's story. Like, it is, mm-hmm. that is the story. And then if they do other things in service of that story, I don't have a problem with it. But I don't want it to become, season three to become, like, oh, let's, not that not this is a dumb example, but, like, let's rebuild the Jedi Order. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it, it's Mando and Grogu's story. And as long as it retains that heart, I don't mind tying in these things. But I don't want it to become inaccessible or, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I think it's just hard because of where, like I said, like where and when the story takes place, it makes it difficult for that. The minute they introduced a force-wielding child Mm -hmm. so close to the end of the original trilogy you know it has to tie back to the larger world. Like this kid cannot exist completely disconnected from what we know is happening with Luke and the Jedi and the Force at at the moment in time when this show takes place. Yeah. And so I think for for people who are looking for kind of truly like series that stand alone, like I, I do think that's kind of what their Star Wars is trying to do with the High Republic. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's, it's a, that's a that's like books. It's like so far it's been announced as books and comics, I think. But I think it will become more than that because Disney is clearly trying to turn Star Wars into this huge mm-hmm. thing. But anything that takes place within a livable Skywalker character, it yeah. makes it so hard it does. to break it. So when you take something like the High Republic, which is going to take place hundreds, hundred and years. hundreds, and hundreds yeah. of years before the events of um, the prequels, even, you're given an opportunity to create a story that can be wholly disconnected. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might have implications for what happens, but it... Or am I, like, reference, like, you might see, like, I don't know, the, char- the character Mandalore, like, the person. Exactly. Or something, but, like, I don't know. I don't I think it's, like, one or two centuries. I don't know how far something ahead. Something like that. Something like that. far enough. It's like a hundred years or a thousand years or something. Like it's, it's a, like a pretty round large number. Large amount of time. But um, and I think I think and I think that it is an issue um, of like right now we are. It's weird because we're in kind of a no man's land, but we're in a no man's land within a framework we know very well. Mm-hmm. Like it's bookended by 
to like movie trilogies that we know very well. So yeah. even though the in-between period is unknown and there's a lot to fill in there and agreed, there are not a lot of, a lot of Jedi left and we've seen a lot of the Jedi left. So presumably the Jedi, I think could introduce a new character. We're always seeing new characters introduced, sure. but it's very possible. Um, I don't know. It's selfishly. This is only selfishly more Ahsoka is better more rebels is better <laughs> i mean that's the thing is like rebels to me is the best of what this version of star wars can be yes. because this version of star wars is just making a bigger world out of the narrative that we know everything leads back to that narrative and kind of flushes it out and and creates a wider uh world building mechanism but it all comes back to vader it all comes back to the skywalker tragedy it all comes back to these things and so what rebels does is make the people like show the true impact yes it does the movies on a wider population and does it with heart and does it in a way that makes you care deeply about characters you've never seen before and that is what i think they want star wars to be but they now want star wars to be that outside of the nine Skywalker films. And to do that, you have to break away, I think, uh, in time. Like, I don't think you can have it exist concurrently and be disconnected because the movies are supposedly these huge impact. The closest they're coming is having it set in the Outer Rims. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. Because... um... All the events beyond, beyond like the stuff on like on Tatooine in the original trilogies is or in the original prequel. All of the trilogies is the core, not or maybe not the core, but the you know inner rim, the core of the galaxy. And so, being able to tell a story on the outer rim is kind of like the Wild Wild West. Like it's right. Like, it still connects, but it's it's as disconnected as they can make it. Um, it's like what the New Republic pilot was saying um, yeah, when he was yeah. just like, oh, there's not a lot of us out. Like, there aren't a lot of New Republic. The New Republic barely even has a presence. I was surprised to even see New Republic pirates on the outer, pilots on the Outer Rim. Like he said, even the Empire couldn't get the Outer Rim under control. But yeah. that was actually why the Emperor was so interested in Thrawn, because Thrawn was from i believe wild space which was beyond now we're getting into the weeds a little bit um (laughs) figuratively and literally because it's like the weeds of wild space so exegol which we saw in the rise of skywalker where the emperor was um you know gross and with his snoke heads in a jar was um uh exegol is in wild space so we see in the rise of skywalker them needing to chart a course through wild space to find exegol uh, the Chiss homeworld, which is what Thrawn is, um, he is Chiss, is also, I believe, in wild space. Um, Timothy Zahn, re- basically, who wrote the original Thrawn trilogy to great acclaim, wrote a new Thrawn trilogy that kind of charts all of this. And um, he's writing a second Thrawn trilogy now. So if you're interested in the character, that is, I, I, I read the first two books of the um First, first, no. second trilogy, like the the like the the trilogy the of this canon, trilogy. yeah, of this canon, and they're the good. Um, I haven't read any of them? Is that latest book? Is the one that just just came out or is coming out? The one with Hot Thrawn, like the that like yeah, absurdly hot painting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's the first book in a new trilogy, or that's the last book? book. I think it's the. It might be the second book or the last book. 
I've lost track. But we're definitely, the first book of the new trilogy has already come out. So um, it's either the second or the third. But, but anyway, that's a really good background of the character. Zahn created this character, so he has, you know, very good handle on Thrawn. Um, and, uh, but anyway, the Emperor was specifically interested in Thrawn because he wanted to chart wild space. And he wanted to know a way through it. And the Chiss know how to navigate those areas outside the galaxy that are supposedly unnavigable. So I think that is all going to tie together at some point, whether it's in this series or in a different one. But I think a lot of that and a lot of what Thrawn... The quest, my question is here, again, very much in the weeds, but is Thrawn working with the Emperor? Because Thrawn has always had his own agenda. He right. pledged loyalty to the Emperor and he was working for the Empire, but he has always had his own agenda. And we don't know what that... A lot of cases, we don't know what that is. So it's... Now my question is, is he still working with the Emperor? Does he know the Emperor is now on Exegol, et cetera, et cetera? Or does he have his own entire thing going on, which is quite plausible? Well, what's always also been interesting about Thrawn is um, his appreciation of his uh, adversaries, right? His sort of like un deep understanding of them and appreciation of how they work. And mm -hmm. so the other potential aspect is that Thrawn by nature of his end of rebels when he is bested by Ezra Bridger has become kind of like you know I have this agenda but I'm so thrown by what has happened to me that I am locked into this battle with this small group of uh, ex-rebels right mm -hmm. like that that is a potential for story that that who knows? And um, it's also, Thrawn was always never above, he he pledged his loyalty to the Empire because he saw the Empire as furthering his own goals. It is quite possible. I'm not saying Thrawn's going to switch sides, but the Empire's fallen. Mm -hmm. Does it still further, and we don't know, we don't quite know what his goals are. So that's, you know, at least more might have been revealed in the books I have not read yet. But so far, he has his own goals. He has his own agenda. It is quite possible that he has found a different mechanism through which to fulfill those goals, whether it's mm -hmm. switching sides or, like, there's a third side, like, or his own side, whatever it is. Um, I do want to talk about the fact, what we learn about Grogu. Um, I know this episode is so Ahsoka Tano-centric, and, she, and she's just such a big character that, of course, that's going to be the main focus. But Grogu, we learn was raised in the Jedi temple mm -hmm. on Coruscant mm -hmm. and was taken by some unknown person. That was then, interesting. Right. And then uh, kind of shut himself off out of fear of mm -hmm. what was being done to him is, is what I got out of that, you know, story that Ahsoka tells Mando. So who took him? Who took him? Did they when take other, was... did they take other younglings? Oh, also, can I just shout out, everyone is, like, really mad about Yaddle erasure, which, oh my god, okay, so if you don't know about this, there was another, another one of Yoda's species, Yaddle, which was a female, Je she was a female Jedi on the council, and Ahsoka says, I've only known one other of his species, like, you know, species like Grogu, which, uh, Yaddle was on the council, in the Phantom Menace when yeah. Ahsoka was not a Jedi or, you know, was not, like, she was probably not even born yet. So this is not Yaddle erasure. This is just Ahsoka's experience. 
Yep. I know, people were real mad. People were real mad about it. I was like, I don't know. I did not know. I did not know Yaddle had such a fan club, I'll be honest. If Baby Yoda is 50, timeline-wise, that puts Baby Yoda in the temple on Coruscant, or in the, you know, on Coruscant, I'm like always, this is my favorite and least favorite part, about, what, 10? 10 years. I think it's about 10 years since the fall of the Empire. Or sorry, since fall of the, uh, fall, 10 years since A New Hope, right? I don't think so. I actually think it's, I think it would have been 10 years, hold on, I just had it, because... If we're like five to eight, five to ten years after Return of the Jedi. Let's say five years to be just for our math's sake. Just let's, or ten, okay, five five years. years. Just for our math. After Return of the Jedi, so Luke is nearing or about 30. Yeah, and he's, I'm guessing he's probably, because after um, Return of the Jedi in some of the um, texts, he goes like, in search of the first Jedi. Like, this is when he's, like, in search of the first Jedi temple. He is, like, building the stuff, knowledge he needs to found his Jedi Academy, which that's probably where he is. Baby Yoda has, at least prior to the fall of the Jedi, which is at the end of Revenge of the Sith, is about 20, let's say 20-ish years old. I believe it's, okay, yeah, because it's, let's say, 17 years between the fall of the Jedi and A New Hope. About 19 years. It's 19 years. 19 years. Okay, so let's say 20 to be e- easy. 20 yeah, years. If you say Luke Skywalker, who is born at the end of Revenge of the Sith, is yeah. about 30 years. And he's, a, yeah, so he is 10, yeah, so. so it's 20 years prior to the birth of Luke Skywalker. Yeah, 20 years prior to the, and then the events of um the original trilogy are over about five years, let's say. That's, yeah, but I'm not, I'm not even counting that because we know when Luke was born, right? Right. We know Luke was born at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. And if we are saying Luke is like 30 years old at the end of, uh, or at where where Mando is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 30 years, then 20 years prior to Luke's birth. 30 is years. Where, is so, so, yeah, so Grogu is, about, was about 20 years old. Was, yeah. Which, which puts. When the Empire fell. Yeah, I think that's that fair. That puts like Grogu and Anakin at the Temple and Coruscant concurrently yeah so yeah. the question is sorry this is a very long ways to get there this is why this is I'm, i appreciate all of you who are still listening right now i know sorry this is this is you've got our g chats this is this is what we do concurrently so the question is if he was just there because he was force sensitive and hadn't yet been trained because he was so young comparatively speaking for his species so he wasn't a youngling, right? Because younglings are ones who are active in their training. Yes, he was just like a foundling, whatever the Jedi equivalent of a foundling is. Which, my question is, are all of Yoda's species, like, assuming I'm assuming they're a pretty rare species. Like. Are they just like all force, which we don't know, but are they all force sensitive and are they just all brought to the Jedi when they're born? And also, are there other, were there other force sensitive foundlings who Anakin Skywalker did not kill? Mm-hmm. Or was baby... Yoda, sorry, Grogu, was, was Grogu taken prior to Anakin killing all the younglings? There's another 
aspect of this here because we know that the empire had an interest yes. in force sensitive children True. did the empire steal them and then they somehow got out from there because like for example you wouldn't want to like we see Anakin killing younglings because they've already been trained, but like the babies that they could like indoctrinate from birth or from like a very, very young age, I could see them wanting to spare so they could use. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like this, this episode opened as usual with Dave Filoni, I think opened a lot more questions. I know. Like, and that, that's the thing. The funny thing is, and that's how Dave Filoni works. And that's why I absolutely love the canon he's created. Yeah. Is like it's just one line, like saying the name Thrawn. He, she said one name, and we talked about it for like fifteen minutes, like yep. because it's just that's how intricate all of this is, and that's how much. And I love that about this. Like I like that you can enjoy this at multiple levels. You don't have to know who Thrawn is, and you can just be like, oh, I guess their master, some guy named Thrawn. But if you do know, and I hope it, I just, I guess, I hope it continues to be that accessible because. The one complaint I have about Rebels is as the show went on, it became more and more tied into the Clone Wars and it become hard, became harder to right. enjoy as a standalone show. That being said, you can. My husband loves Rebels and never watched Clone Wars. I think it's going it to... De- honestly, it, it very much depends on how they handle the Ahsoka Tano stuff, I mm-hmm. think. Like, I think so it's, too. It, if this was the lone appearance, then I think it's going to continue to be as accessible as it was if they decide to pull more of that storyline into the mando storyline it's it's going to become less and less accessible for for people who have not seen the uh the other stuff because i've been watching it i've been watching it with my parents Mm -hmm. and they have not seen any of the cartoons so it's a lot like this last episode it was a lot of pausing and answering questions Mm -hmm. and hitting play again and like trying to get them kind of up to speed because even if you are watching this as somebody who likes the mandalorian but is not because it's such a drastically stylistic and narrative shift from what star wars is Mm -hmm. there's so many things in that episode that you'd be like what yeah like what is this place why does it look like this like why who is this person like it's just it's all i think there's just so much that happens in this episode that if you are a casual star wars fan you're just kind of in it for the fights yeah right like I just feel like there's so much in this episode. There's so much. Like, I'm like, t- like I'm just like, oh, this is going to be a mini episode, and here we are 45 minutes in. Because there's just, like, so much to talk about. I know, there's about. so much. There's so much to talk like, about. Because, like, we didn't even talk about Mando. Yeah. Yeah. Not like, you know, Mando, we're finally starting to see the fissure between who Din Djarin is as a Mandalorian versus the Mandalorians. We've all kind of come to, to understand and know from the previous iterations. And so this, he's, he's clearly starting to accept this notion of the Jedi and, and being, you know, a, like a season ago, it was like this ancient order of magicians. Mm-hmm. And now he's fighting side by side with a Jedi to help this kid get the, the training he needs, you know? And so it's been really fun watching kind of Mando go on the journey of acceptance of what he very like similar to Han Solo, I think has perceived as myth mm-hmm. his entire life. And, and as like 
a very unreal magic sort of thing. Like I loved the moment of Ahsoka having to explain the force to him. Yeah. And I will just say, um, we've talked about this before, but shout out to Pedro Pascal and his stunt doubles because so the good. amount of acting you get in just the body language and the voice mm-hmm. is incredible. Like sometimes you forget that you don't see his face, you don't see, you know, like it's just. Just a tilt of the head. Yeah. You can like get so much emotion out of that because it's all we get. Like the the moment that he, I like lost it. Oh when, yeah, I know what you're talking when about. When he helped, when he when he was like helping with the training, and he's like, "I knew you could do it." And he's like, like "Oh!" oh. <laughs> or like when he thinks he's gonna let him go, and he's like, "It's time for goodbye," and he's like getting him all ready in his little outfit. And the like when he like walks in, and he's just like sleeping, like oh, Rogue was just sleeping, God. like. Mm. So like this, I've been like. And I love that because it's still Star Wars, like, they recognize, like, from Ahsoka's standpoint, that attachment mm-hmm. has the potential to be something so dangerous and so terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, but from the outside, you're like, I'm so glad, like, this, it's it's found family, mm-hmm. which is one of the best tropes in Star Wars, is yeah. this notion of, like, because Luke, Luke showed us that that found family mattered and that mm-hmm. those connections mattered mm-hmm. and it was what helped him defeat the dark side and mm-hmm. to defeat the emperor. Yep. And so you're almost seeing the the new perspective on attachment versus the old perspective on attachment kind of butt heads a little bit in this episode. Yes. And I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, I agree. Oh, it's so good. It There's is. so much goodness yeah. narratively that came out of this episode. There is. There's so much. And I feel like there's so much we could still talk about. Like there's... Oh. But um, I think we should probably wrap wrap up it up because <laughs> we like an hour on a single episode. I know, but we will. Um, we're probably. I think we don't really have a set schedule for December, and I think we'll just probably do this. Like, just check in whenever there's a big episode to talk about. Versus if there's no, if we don't feel like there's a lot to talk about. Um, this was episode. What did I? I wrote this. Down. You wrote this down. Uh, this was episode five. So yeah, we, I think we only have three left. Yeah, that would be eh, that's sad. Years. I know. So, I'm really enjoying it. But we'll be back. And then in January, WandaVision is... Oh, God. Yeah, is airing. So we'll probably... Because there's nothing else to cover right now. So we'll so, do we'll do a yeah, Wonder, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman and uh, WandaVision. Yeah, so we'll probably do an after Christmas episode and then start up in January with some WandaVision. Um, and so we, uh, we tweeted out a picture of our 2020 holiday card. It is very ridiculous. Um, it I is baby... It. it is Grogu, Baby Yoda themed. Uh, if you want one, we've got, I think, maybe, like, seven or, like, we got, we ordered some extra. If you want one, um, you can subscribe on Patreon uh, at $2 a month and up. And if you want to um, make sure we still have one, feel free to send us an email, uh, theyseekitgirls at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, if you subscribe, like, by, like, the end of the day Monday, we should probably, I would guess we'll still be fine, so, um. Yeah, I think so. That is, um, if you would like a holiday card. Uh, and then, uh, what are you into, Sofna? Um, I'm playing the game Bug Snacks on PS5, and I am obsessed with this game. It's so sweet, it's so cute, I never thought the best... Like, some of the best LGBTQIA representation would be in a game about bugs. No, bug snacks. <laughs> because bug snacks aren't necessarily bugs. They're some sort of weird hybrid, and part of the mystery is, 
decoding what they are, but there's this, there's like the, there's a like, um, there's a Lisbert and Egabel who are um, uh, two women who are in a relationship, and then Chandlo and I'm 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 Snorpy, Snorpy and Chandlo <laughs> are two men, and then there's a there's a uh, it looks like a non-binary scientist, and like it's just like. Like, it is so easy to put this stuff in your game. Like, why? Like, it's just, and it's just, it, 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 they don't get into any discussions about, it's just, and I'm like, this is so sweet. And like, Snorpy and Chandlo are like, goals. They're so cute. Like, Chandlo is this like, super like, buff, like, guy, like, they're the, 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 the species is called, I think, Grumbles. He's a super buff, like, yellow, like, I think he's, uh, no, Snorpy is. He's, I don't remember what color Chanlo is. But he's this, like, super buff who just wants to protect Snorpy. Because Snorpy, like, believes in all these conspiracy theories and thinks everybody's out to get him. So he, like, works out to protect. Chanlo works out to protect Snorpy. It's so cute. I love them. I love Snorpy and Chanlo. Anyway. I mean, and the game itself is just, like, I talked about it last week a little bit. Um, I think when we recorded. But it's just, like, there's no dying there's no, you just, nice. there, there's a mystery. It's a good story. I want to solve the mystery, and also just the gameplay is really fun. It's a, it's a really, it's a good game for these times. And I think right now it's free if you're a PlayStation. Yeah. Owner. So if you, you have to have a PlayStation, I believe that only the PS5 version is free. So if you have a PS4, I don't know exactly how that works. But if you're a PlayStation Plus member, it is a game you can download for free this month, but only until that expires, which is probably in a few days since we're nearing the end of the month. Um, I actually did download it, and I started it. Uh, I only played for a few minutes because I was just, I just wanted to see what it was. Uh, and I did, I agree with you, I think the graphics are really cute, but I have a really hard time with first person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. that is awkward. I found the first person awkward. Yeah, like, I have a hard time playing, like, I don't think I've played a first-person game since, like, maybe the Bond 64 game, probably. I just, I, I find it, it's it's difficult for me. I'm going to give it another shot, yeah. because I've had, I've heard such wonderful things about the game, but that, that initial thing was very awful. I think once you get used to the controls, because I did, that, that struck me as well, but once I got used to the controls, which are very basic and intuitive, um, I think it kind of faded away a little bit um yeah i'm definitely gonna give it another try there we're, we're kind of in this like really great moment for video games mm-hmm. right now with all the all the stuff coming out both old and new yeah i just downloaded um, hades which is on sale that everyone has taught and talking about this for the switch okay you're gonna have to talk to me about it because i'm on the fence because i don't i just i just have such a specific thing i like about games. yeah i know and preeti and i a lot of games you despite the fact that we like the same type of games rpgs we like very different games like yeah. there are games you love that i'm like eh, and there are games like i absolutely love that you just did not work for you so i found her very interesting to talk about games together because it is I've, I'm getting more of a sense of what you like, and I think um, I will let you know what I think. Yeah, because it's not, uh, it's one of those that the, you die, when you die, you start over, but the dungeons reset. But, like, I really just, I want to play it because of the story. Yeah, I that's why I want to play like it. The story so much. And it's on, it was on sale for Black Friday for, like, I think $15 on the Switch. So I was like, eh, yeah. it's $15. I'll try it if it like, doesn't work not? for me. Yeah. Um, I actually, so... What am I into? Other than still being stuck in the like supernatural conspiracy yes. theories nonsense that is happening that I am obsessed with because it is 
gotten to a level of, of absurdity that I cannot handle. Like, it is so bananas. Like, the latest development is that it, the latest development involves Barack Obama. What? <laughs> and I know, like, this is absurd. It's because Barack Obama follows, like, 8 million people. Yeah. On, on Twitter or whatever, but he fo- he follows, like, a Destiel, which is the Dean and Castiel ship name, a Destiel Twitter account. And there are all these memes about Barack Obama secretly loving Dean and Castiel. The thing I like about this, the thing, I mean, the, I think the, the, there are serious issues with the Supernatural finale. We went totally. into them last week. But it's like a level of entertainment that, like, is, we're all stuck at home. Right. We're living through a pandemic. Like, this has become, like, real life, like, ent- you know what I mean? A little bit. Like, it's become, it's getting to the level, like, I literally wrote a Supernatural fanfic yesterday, which I was like, I was writing it. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? I'm not linking to it. I keep that shit very separate. <laughs> it is not tied to anything. Like, someone's going to be like, oh, I'm going to find it. Don't, don't find it. <laughs> Leave this it is one of those things where we don't think it's cute when you track it down. It's just, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And it's not like, I don't. I you everybody knows me. It's like very like rated G. Yeah. But it was still like it's like what am I doing with my life right now? Like wh- I have things that I'm supposed to be writing for money. Yeah. But no, here I am. Nope. Here's fifteen hundred words on how Dean Winchester is sad. Oh God, my <sighs> life is getting away from me, and it's I good. blame supernatural. supernatural and Barack Obama. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, the other thing that is more video game related is I got Dragon Age Inquisition, which shout out to uh, my friend Dia who just bought the game for me, which was really, really nice. Oh, that's really nice. I know. She like DM'd me and was like, what's your PayPal? Well, she asked for Venmo, but I'm an old person. And so I said, no, but here's my PayPal. Um, and I've never played a Bioware game before. Mm. And so was pretty excited to just create my character from scratch and make him into like hot Indian elf. Yep. Yep. I've never, okay, so to, so we, this is what um, we were talking about before the podcast started. I played some of Origins and it was so big and massive and I didn't understand what was going on that like I abandoned it like a quarter of the way through, but I would like to go back. And then I'm wondering, Origins and Inquisition, I'm guessing they're set in the same world, but they're unconnected. I don't know. Part of me wants I, to just try Inquisition because I've heard better things about it. Yeah, I've never played a Dragon Age game. I've never, I don't, I didn't know anything about it. I just kept seeing it pop up on my Tumblr and then it was on sale. People are like obsessed and there's supposedly a new game coming out and I'm like, I'm sure I'm going to want to play the new game, so might as well. I I will say it helps that I I started playing Dungeons and Dragons this year because we're all inside all the time Um, and that actually, like, I started back in May, I think, and it it has helped me understand Dragon Age. Like, if I had gone into Dragon Age without having any understanding of Dungeons yeah. & Dragons, I think I would have been a lot more confused. Yeah, like, um, I played Baldur's Gate back in the day, um, the so, Baldur's Gate 2, and it's built on a Dungeons & Dragons framework, so, like, same. Like, yeah, understanding the, like, the, like, classes and the mm-hmm. the, the races and all that helps. Yeah, it was very much, I was like, I mean, they explain everything, obviously, but it is, like, a lot of information. a lot of information thrown at you. Like, I was was telling you before we started recording, 
it, the world is so big that yeah. I actually cannot wrap my head around it. So I'm taking it very much like mission by mission at a time and understanding that information. But I do not have any concept of how my actions are impacting the greater storyline because it's just so... Does that make you anxious? The world map and like there's so many factions and so much lore to remember that I was like, I don't... This is so much. But it's fine because the the quest level is still very fun mm-hmm. like the interactions okay. between the characters and the and the like it's it's very similar to witcher 3 which i enjoyed a lot in terms of the actual action and narrative interaction at that level of story and gameplay see that's and my so problem though like if i know my actions are going to impact the larger story and i don't have a concept of how it is sometimes that makes me how it does and sometimes that makes me anxious it, it did like it does and it doesn't because i have no understanding of that level yeah exactly so like it's just you're playing for the gameplay not the yeah like the story yeah. at like the the street it's almost like the story at street level i understand but the story at like mass uh, you understand the Mando Grogu story, but exactly. the Ahsoka Thrawn story, you do not, not understand. understand. And so, like any actions I take are neither negative nor positive because yeah. I don't have any. I don't have a stake in it yet. Like yeah. I don't know who I want to win. I don't know. All I know is that I want my character to succeed in the thing that they're doing at that moment in time. Yeah, that makes sense. And so it's been working. Uh, but I'm sure there will be updates because I feel like I'm going to be playing this game for like eight months. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. We are part of the Hard Knock Life Podcast Network. You can find all the podcasts in the Hard Knock Life, Hard Knock Media family at hardknockmedia.com. Today we're shouting out the Middle Geeks, whose latest episode has Suara and May talking with filmmaker Shahab Zargari about paranormal, a Netflix drama set in Egypt. Uh, and of course, thank you to our Patreon subscribers. So thank you to Meredith, Ronnie, and Maya at the $12 level, and Amber, Sam, Patrick, Jordan, Annie, Brandy, Shelly, Claire, Brian, Robert, Sylvia, Chris, the Not Family, and Priya at the $5 level. Thank you. Again, I know. It's like, just, it's unbelievable. Thank you all. Uh, but again, if you want a holiday card and you subscribe by end of day, Monday, November 30th, uh, we can probably get that to you. It's everybody's $2 dot com slash Daisy Geek Girls, and if you're not sure if we have any extra cards, just shoot us an email, Daisy Geek Girls. At email, or you can tweet tweet us, tweet us at Daisy Geek Girls, tweet us individually. Like we are very accessible. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you can find us on Twitter at Daisy Geek Girls, and I am Swapna at S Krishna, and I am at Run with Skizzers. I'm like I'm like reading this. I think you usually do this line because I was like, this is really awkward for me to say. I usually time at the end. <laughs> And so I'm like, this is really awkward. You know I'm Swapna at S. Krishna. Hopefully, if you've listened to this entire podcast and you don't know my name, kudos to you. I mean. Thank you for sticking with us. I know. Um, and until next time, which will hopefully be probably just a couple of weeks. We'll see you in hell!